0: Hello and
1: welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hey everyone, welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today we're joined by Russ Tinsley, the founder, all the way from, it's in Hampton Roads, right?
0: Yeah, Hampton Roads, Virginia.
1: Hampton Roads, Virginia, he's the founder of Oozle Finch blending and i didn't write the whole beers and blending i I just wrote oozle finch because i love that name so much i forgot that there's a whole second half of the name
0: that's uh i mean honestly that's what we we go by oozle finch (laughs) so
1: so i think that's where we have to start okay um what is oozle finch where did the name oozle finch come from and why the name oozle finch
0: um, so Ouzel Finch is a, uh, I mean, basically we are on a decommissioned army fort back in 2014. They decommissioned, um, Fort Monroe from an army base to, uh, a national estate, uh, park. Um, we ended up grabbing a spot out here. If you look at it, it kind of, it's considered a peninsula, but it's literally a small tract of land on the far side of the island that kind of connects it to, uh, to Hampton, um, it looks more like a, a little island in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay, um, and, uh, right at the, the mouth of where the York river and, uh, the James river meet. Um, but, uh, uh you know, the fort used to be the last stand, uh, it, if you got past Fort Monroe, um, you know, uh, you had a free shot to DC. And so Fort Monroe was, uh, back in the day, kind of, uh, the the last point of uh of protection for dc Uh, so you had a lot of arm armaments and stuff like that on the fort inside the fort um and it it literally is a 360 degree fort uh with a moat all the way around it um there's some yeah there's some land that's like outlaying outside of the fort which is where the brewery sits um on the island but um you know just a, a the place is so rich in history, uh, and that's really what drew me to uh, grabbing up the spot. And not only that, it's the only place in Hampton Roads that, you know, you drive onto the island and it's uh, it's out of the city. Everything's protected. So i um, sorry. My son is running back and forth. <laughs> to get Doritos here. Take that with you. Thank you. Sorry. i
1: mean i'm at constant risk of one of two children running through that door right there so i don't care
0: <laughs> he grew up here pretty much so he, thinks he, he has right to everything
1: it's his place yeah 100%. <laughs> i um i watched the comedian last night sorry to interrupt your story oh, but yeah. like it was just so funny where like he's a dad and a lot of his jokes had to do with being a dad and one of them was um talking about like when he was a kid he's like can you imagine growing up in an age when the children aren't in charge
0: <laughs> uh, yeah right oh, so man. like i mean my kids are
1: pretty much in charge
0: <laughs> Yeah, I are too. i mean i love it though you know it's uh he's been a lot of fun and i mean we'll probably get to this later but he has literally named a majority of our beers just <laughs> you know since he was a little kid and first started talking i was keeping notes of all the stupid stuff he said <laughs>
1: that's and, awesome
0: and so we uh a lot of our beers are named um after stuff that he had said now he's he's in school and he's talking right and uh,
1: uh <laughs> not
0: really as much as much fun to listen to but not
1: nearly as much inspiration
0: Yeah, so he's got a little brother that's one and a half and uh so he's on the on the cusp of being able to fill those uh, fill he'll, those stats for the next couple of years. He'll take but, over
1: the beer naming duties.
0: Yeah, man, I mean, it's uh, it was funny when you know we have some really cool names uh, uh, and a lot of the stuff that we uh, we still do. You know, party dinosaur was his. Um, uh, let's see, he did uh, feel so better is one that we've done recently. That's his. He. Did Dude Blanket, which is an IPA that we make, and uh, he, you know, has a little turtle blanket that he calls his Dude Blanket. <laughs> so there's a bunch of um, things in there. Love you, buddy, and you know some of these uh, some of these ones that mean more to him and I, and then yeah. other ones that are just hilarious. And so we've re- reused them. But um, so Great. yeah. So uh, before
1: I interrupted you, you're talking about yeah, uh, the back. location.
0: Yeah, the location it's really just rich in history um you know a lot of folks uh, don't know this but um the first african-americans or the first africans that were brought against their will to this country um as slaves landed on the beach of this small island uh and then you know do you fast- know by who you know i i not off the top of my head pirates but- Oh, really? Yes.
1: Uh, I uh, learned. So there's this guy I know uh, that I met through craft beer. He's a huge craft beer fan too. Um, Him and his wife. uh, His wife has a fairly popular Instagram account, Hoppy Black Lady, I think is the. And he is a professor at a university up here. And he's really into pirate history. Uh, And he taught me that, that the first slaves were brought to the United States and they were forced to purchase them because basically, when a pirate would show up in a port, you bought whatever they had to offer, or you would be their next victim.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, I do know there is a lot of pirate history here too. Like, there's some ties to Blackbeard and all that here locally. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, this uh, this this little small tract of land that we sit on um, wasn't only the place where. Um, You know, slaves uh, were Africans were enslaved um, and considered slaves for the first time in uh, in our country's history. But uh, it's also the same place that during the Civil War, there were um, three uh, African men that escaped from a uh, from a Confederate base across the river at Sewell's Point and floated over to Fort Monroe on a makeshift raft, Um, you know, and then basically the south. Uh, went to the union general here uh, and said, you know, by federal law, you have to give us our property back. And the general basically replied, you know, you succeeded from the union. You're no longer bound by our laws. um, And we're not bound to do anything for you. And they're considered contraband of war. And, uh, you know, in no way was it still easy for, for, uh, you know, African-Americans back then, but it started the whole movement, um of uh of the underground railroad ending at fort monroe and by the time the war ended there were ten thousand uh freed slaves here oh wow yeah and then literally uh you know the south came in and burned hampton and uh, a lot of the people that lived in hampton hampton went to richmond um and just leaving these foundations of homes and so uh um the these freed slaves were uh they went out and built houses on all the foundations and created the first uh, what we know of as as a black community in in the country uh, outside the gates of where we where we are. And so just the fact that those two significant um, one, very horrible one, still horrible, but a start to uh, to, you know, a cool um, finish uh, of uh, equality and, and freedom. Um, I wouldn't really say much equality. Quality that's a different conversation, yeah. you know. The freedom itself is um, it, it was it's pretty cool that it happened, uh, you know, on this itty bitty bitty small island. Yeah, um, what's well, like
1: it, being in Frederick? It's it's a, that same kind of thing. Like the stories that you find about all these little areas are just fascinating. The things wow. that happened back then.
0: Yeah, and I honestly, my teachers from uh, from high school would smack me for even saying this now but i geek out on history and i wish i knew that when I was younger.
1: <laughs> that's i'm really hoping that story i told was accurate because yeah, I, yeah. I was told that while we had been drinking and it was a while ago so if yeah. i if any of that was wrong i apologize and i feel like oh. i need to just have him on my podcast to talk about pirates and drinking because
0: yeah. <laughs> that's that's awesome i have no idea honestly i just know that the first uh the first ship had landed here on, on Fort Monroe and, and, uh, the first enslaved, uh, people were brought on and, and, uh, sold into slavery here. Um,
1: so too bad you're not within the moat though, cause that would be pretty damn cool to have a brewery that's protected by a moat.
0: <laughs> yeah. So honestly, we, the original space is inside the case made walls, um, which gets back to our original point. I, I got way off topic, but, um, uh, you know, the original uh, space that we were going to get is within the casemate walls. And basically, the old cannons used to sit inside these fortified walls with these little like cubby holes, you know, that you see on movies and stuff. I mean, yeah. it's really, that's what it was. And uh, and so the cannons would shoot out those holes. Um, and when, you know, they moved into, uh, you know, World War One and all the weaponry that they were using inside the casemate walls were kind of obsolete they replaced it with bigger guns that, that they put on top of the moat. Um, and so it opened up all the casemate spaces for renovation and other stuff. And so they used it for base housing. Um, and then in the space that we were originally looking at purchasing and, and fixing up for the brewery, um, there was the officer's club was in there. Um, and so the more we researched it, um, we found out about uh, this, you know, um, kind of folklore tale from uh, Fort Monroe history um, and you know in early 1900s uh, really early 1900s like 1905 uh, there was an officer drinking at the club there in the casemate um, went outside saw this bird uh, he said you know the bird had a long neck red bloodshot eyes no eyelids flew backwards feet spanning into its wings no feathers and you know flew at box speeds and so there's all this, you know, story behind it. And it literally went from a joke to where the club adopted it as a mascot. Um, because one of the officer's wives, uh, found a little statue in town that, um, looked like it. And so they put it in a glass case behind the bar and then it went from a mascot to, uh, ultimately turned into a secret society called the order of the usual finch. And, uh, Yeah. And so they were committed to three things in life. Um, and there's a lot of fun stories and stuff that go with this, but they, uh, they were committed to drinking, gambling, and roasting each other, which <laughs> we thought was awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, they Such had a their gentleman's
1: own... club. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and
0: they had their own little crest. And on the crest, underneath in Latin, uh, translated, it says, What the hell do we care? And so, <laughs> you know, a lot of that is just kind of, uh, it fits uh, the way that we approach beer and the way was it was there still
1: is there still an order of the oozle finch or was that long funny
0: thing yeah so it's not called the order of the oozle finch anymore when when the school that was here the artillery school left Fort Monroe um, it took the order with it to Texas and it was still surviving there when it went from Texas to California I think is where everything kind of went from uh, uh, an order to now the Oozle Finch is still the mascot of the army artillery. And so we'll have army artillery folks all the time, hit up our page and, you know, uh, come in to see us. You know, I had an invite a couple years ago to, uh, to a dine in, which no civilians ever get to go to. And my wife and I got to go and watch all the traditions. And, you know, there was just really cool moments where, you know, they, uh, the army guys were pouring, um, an alcohol that was made from each place that, that, uh, an army artillery man had ever served. And so, you know, there was like 40 something bottles of alcohol going into this punch bowl. Uh (laughs) And then they called me up and let me top it off with one of our beers. And I was like, man, that it was, it was a killer moment. Uh, that's cool. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, it's still the army artillery mascot. Uh, a lot of folks, uh, army artillerymen, are obsessed with it, and uh, but it doesn't have the same uh, secret society type, um, you know, hype that it did that it did when it was here on on Fort Monroe.
1: Have you ever met someone that was uh, a member of the Order of the Oozlefinch?
0: I haven't, but we've gotten uh, you know, like people's sons uh, or daughters when their parents die will bring over stuff and, uh, you know, have certificates that say I've got one hanging on the wall over there that somebody brought in and gave to us, but it's certificates from their grandfathers or dads that, um, served and were actually inducted into the order as a oozle finchling is what they used to call it. So, um, <laughs> That's really but, cool. Yeah. We have a few of those that people have brought us. Uh, um, but I don't think it's as big of a, as a, of a deal as it is, as it used to be. You know, even the on the base here, there's a headquarters building that was built in like 1920 or 30, and there are uh, little oozle finches hidden in the uh, ironworks on the front of the building. And so uh, it's, I mean, it's it was everywhere out here uh, back in the early to mid 1900s.
1: That's hilarious. Well, that's a even better story than what I was expecting.
0: Yeah, I, know that. I mean, I feel
1: much. like like with the name, it had to be good, but well, that. It- it, it delivered and even more
0: One hundred percent, and nobody had trademarks on it or uh, copyrights. And so that made me even happier to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. So I got that one. And you know, with as many breweries that were popping up around the time that we opened up, it was like, you're no chance grabbing a name that somebody else didn't already have. So we were pretty stoked.
1: I, um, we're going to take a real quick uh, sponsor break. And so, then when we come back, uh, we covered the name. So I think we should cover what you were doing before Oozle Finch and what got you to the point where you wanted to open a brewery. So we, we will be right back. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, Mom's Spaghetti Dinner Battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours and robust porters and stouts idiom has a simple goal in mind to bring people from all walks of life together to enjoy themselves and each other whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy ipas are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy sour or complex flavors or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites they'll have a little something for you Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. Uh, What year did Ouzle Finch open?
0: We officially opened our doors in September of 2016.
1: So what were you doing leading up to founding Ouzle Finch?
0: I was, um, I at the time, was doing uh, undercover narcotics for the city of Newport News.
1: That probably was a stressful job.
0: It was. It <laughs> and stressful, but I, honestly, I loved it, man. We, uh, I had a lot of fun. The guys and girls that I worked with were the best, you know, cops, uh, hands down, I'd ever worked with, um, you know, a small unit. We had maybe 16 people in our office uh, out of a department. I think they had, I don't know if it was like 500 people or something like that at the time. and. Um, and Newport news is a pretty big city, uh, and there's a lot going on. And so, you know, to kind of have an opportunity to do some cool stuff like that. And, um, you know, I did everything from buying drugs to prostitution stuff to, uh, um, you know, bigger investigations to, and I ended, uh, my career with them doing, uh, leading the human trafficking team and got to help write the human trafficking bill of 2014 in, in Richmond for Virginia, which was, which was really cool to cool to do. I never got to use the law ever cause I quit on July 1st, yeah. the day it took to, you know, the day it started. But, uh, but I had a lot of fun in that career and, you know, it was exciting. The people are amazing, uh, that I worked with and it was just nonstop fun all the time.
1: Um, running, owning a brewery is probably a lot safer. I'm guessing.
0: That's the reason I quit. <laughs> <laughs> your your right. wife
1: is probably a lot happier with yeah. your new career.
0: <laughs> 100%. I, I went through a situation there, uh, a shooting. I mean, without getting into too much detail, it was just not good. And um, and uh, I, was, uh, I was hit, and my wife and I went through that whole thing together and immediately decided, you know, when, when you're in a job like that, you're having so much fun, and uh it just is a non-stop adrenaline rush every day and uh uh and you don't really think about stuff like that or when you do you're like eh, it'll never happen to me and then when it happened to me i was like uh it's not worth it this to me. sucks yeah <laughs> so you know the adrenaline was cool while it lasted but in the heat of the moment when when things got real uh it was uh I had to bow out because I I was not about that life.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got a finger cut last. I mean, a paper cut last week on my finger. So I can imagine.
0: <laughs> horrible! It's horrible. Oh.
1: I uh, so that like there's a common theme in a lot of uh. People who fa- have founded breweries. Like, so I guess I, I was at a larger risk of my dog bursting through the door instead of, <laughs> of a,
0: of a I kid. I a Cree, but I was wondering <laughs> what was going to happen.
1: It's a, the, the dog is upset because all the women of the house left, and they're her favorite. So now she's going uh, to be upset.
0: <laughs> uh...
1: Um. Like there's like there's a lot of people that worked in IT, a lot of engineers, a lot of people in finance. I don't think I've ever interviewed someone that was an undercover undercover narcotics officer before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was uh it was fun, man. I mean I was home brewing at the time, you know, and uh I had always planned on doing a brewery eventually. I just didn't plan on doing it till I retired. And then like I said, when things things got real, I, we pulled the trigger and did it and uh You know, it was a good thing we did because everything got so oversaturated really quick. I think, you know, it's hard. It would be a lot harder coming into the game now. uh, Yeah, you
1: said 2016.
0: Yeah. That was,
1: I would say that, yeah, that was probably right about the cutoff where, like, you could survive if you opened after then, but it's a lot more difficult to grow. And,
0: yep. Yeah. I mean, you really needed to establish yourself. probably before then. I mean, 2016 and 2017 was nothing but like nonstop visits from people who wanted to own breweries and, you know, me kind of walking them through what I went through and how we did it and, you know, what was good for us. And, uh, but I, I'd have to say, I haven't. nobody's come by here and, you know, the last year or so asking for, for advice. I think everybody, well, COVID yeah. uh, put up his plans on hold. So uh, but it definitely uh, has slowed down quite a bit.
1: So, um, you wanted to preserve your life and 100%. you, uh, so you, had you been, um, homebrewing for quite some time po- during that time or was it a semi new hobby?
0: Uh, it was fairly new at the time. I, you know, I started homebrewing probably in 2009, uh, after I got married and, um, you know, it was one of those. Things She bought me a kit for Christmas, our first Christmas together. She got me one of those uh, Mr. Beer kits, which I still have four of those beers the first time I ever made <laughs> it. Uh, um, and that was in 2009. And then within a year, man, I was hooked and uh, went up to Dogfish Head, took a class that they had there for homebrewing and, um, and then just never really looked back after that. I ordered more expensive equipment than I should have ordered for my house. And And then uh, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. And then when everything happened at the police department, it was one of those things of, you know, what are we going to do? And my wife asked me and I said, well, I've always wanted to own a business. I always knew that was something I was going to do eventually. Um, You know, I'd read up a lot of books on it and educated myself. And um, and so you know she's like well what do you want to do and i was like well, everything that i've read it says you got to be passionate about what you do and she was like well, what are you passionate about and i said police work which i'm not doing anymore <laughs> and beer and she was like let's do beer and that was it and we never looked back from that moment on so
1: that's awesome
0: that was kind of how it started
1: how was that first beer you made horrible good uh, i don't trust anyone that tells me the first one was good Unless, dude. like, they made it with a bunch of friends or, like, a like a head brewer friend of theirs home they, brewed with yeah, them.
0: Yeah, I would never believe it ever. And most people are doing extract, too. So, like, I did that first beer with the Mr. Beer, which was extract. And I'm like, I'm going to jump straight into whole grain just so I can – I want to <laughs> learn it and I want to mess it up and just do it until yeah. we figure it out. And so um, – but I, I didn't make a – dude, I didn't make a good beer for uh, probably <laughs> – non-monster so well thankfully
1: or, you were persistent and didn't uh, buy- and <laughs> the,
0: the first real all-grain batch i made and i had 10 gallons of it man and uh it was supposed to be a really hoppy west coast and you know, that was what was in at the time and so you know of course everybody's trying to trying to do some type of pallet wreck or something or another uh, back then and so i did one and my buddies from the police department uh, from the unit came over and we were drinking it <laughs> and they we were literally chugging it so we could get it down. <laughs> but then, <laughs> after like three or four, we it didn't matter anymore, and you know we just got we got slammed off of it. But they they nicknamed it Doodoo Water. And so when I when I <laughs> when I left the police department, still to this day, one of the guys that was there will still refer to all the beer that I make as doo-doo Water. That's hilarious. Uh, I hope
1: he doesn't leave that in like untapped reviews. <laughs> uh,
0: probably would honestly. <laughs> It'd be, it'd be funny. It'd be worth it.
1: Do you think that style is making a comeback?
0: West Coast? Yeah.
1: It I seems Brewers, to be like slowly.
0: I think Brewers want it to make a comeback. Yeah,
1: I want yeah. it to come back.
0: I I can still enjoy it, but dude, I'm telling you, I think... Uh, uh, no, I the think candy
1: that, and fruit's what everyone yeah, wants.
0: Hazy's, Hazy's losing its uh, its appeal, but it's still the go-to for a lot of folks because it's approachable um i think west coast uh old school people who got in, who got into beer and started loving beer you know when all of us did when hoppy was was king, yeah. man i mean i could still drink one and appreciate it for sure but i i honestly um the fruit bomb everything is more up my alley and <laughs> what I'm, i fell in love with recently and i didn't expect it is uh you know everybody was going after the lager game for the last year or two and and uh, I was like, oh man, I just I can't get on board with that. There's just not enough going on. And but this last year, uh, Rachel, who's my head brewer, started making loggers, and uh, I gave her a tank to like just do loggers, and uh, and she's killing it, man. And honestly, that's that's about a majority of what I drink now is loggers, which I never would have said, uh, you know, a year ago. I so.
1: I would say the same thing. About a year ago, I would mock uh brewers and brewery owners for trying to make lagers a thing again like i understand you want to drink them but no one's no one cares um and then that's mainly what i drink now too like i Uh, I post a lot of pretty pictures of hazy ipas and heavily fruited sours but if i'm just grabbing a beer to drink it's a lager and thank uh, god so many breweries like yourself have started making really really good lagers
0: well that's what she's I mean, honestly, Rachel, that's her thing. She's passionate about loggers. She's passionate about the barrel sour program that we have. Um, and, you know, she's uh, she loves those two things. I'm more passionate about adjunct everything, see <laughs> how much paper we can push into some sours. And, you know, um, honestly, if, if we could get away with it, just doing sours, I would I would just do sours, in, in, you know, here. But. It's uh you know in house uh, especially with our market our market is fairly new to sours, and we're slowly starting to you know bring on more and more clientele locally over the course of the last two years that enjoy it but uh um, for us that's you know that's where our heart is and um but Rachel uh her her heart is in in her uh, is in her loggers man and uh, and she got me hooked on them now so I just which I, I never would have ever, ever said. But
1: <laughs> Does it pain you?
0: I, never, I, I don't ever tell her that often, though, because, uh, because <laughs> they literally will look at me stupid if I'm drinking a lager. <laughs> Just I, I always said, no, we're not doing it.
1: <laughs> so I I brewed um, with a local brewery today. We did a collab, um, 123 IBU West Coast today because oh, he was like how how bitter do you want it to be i was like i don't want to taste anything afterwards
0: <laughs> you know i'd be interested to see how i'd react to something like that after all these years because i i can't say that i've had anything really really bitter um in quite a long time even the west coast like every once in a while rachel will do one she likes them a lot mm. so you know we'll do one for in-house and just put it on tap Uh but I would say, you know, we we usually try and stick to most of the tropical hops, and so we're not going for like, you know, that pine tar grassy. Yeah, we did know,
1: Simcoe or, Mosaic, and um, I can't remember what the third hop was now. Crap. But yeah, it's good. It it's going to be a palate wrecker.
0: Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I've banned Cascade from our brewery, so we're not allowed to use it ever again. <laughs> I just can't stand that hop. I mean, I mean, it is everything that was that whole entire craze. But uh, it, we bought so much of it the first year we were open. I had a brewer. He only worked for me for a couple months, but he had, you know, contracted for two or three years of what he thought we would need. And then, and then when uh, he and I kind of split ways, I was stuck with this hop contract that had, I had enough Cascade hops contracted to literally provide to the, every brewery in the state of virginia for, <laughs> for a year and so we were buying them and putting them in beer just because we had to get rid of them and uh you know and then i finally got to the point where i'm like i can't take this as a bittering hop i can't take it as we're not doing anything else with it and i said you can give them away or. <laughs> Go put them in the trash, but we're never using <laughs> them ever again. It is
1: banned from the kettle. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and then the brewer at the time, uh, who uh, he's now in New Mexico working out there. But um, you know, one day I was tasting one of the beers he had made, and I was like, "This has Cascade in it." You can see his eyes get real big, and I'm like, "Oh, I hate Cascades <laughs> it's the absolute worst." But uh, I mean, I know a lot of a lot of West Coast folks will tell me I'm crazy, but uh, I just I can't do it, man
1: when um when you first opened were you did you do the brewing or did you hire someone to brew right away
0: yeah i thought i could do the brewing um and so the plan was for me to do it and i was doing it at home and then dude the minute i started looking at equipment i realized how far out of my league i was and switched plans real quick so i hired hired a guy locally that had some uh professional experience locally um you know that relationship quickly we figured out was we just weren't eye to eye on where we wanted things to be and so you know he moved on and then we've stuck with professional you know brewers the whole time rachel who's in charge now you know she's a chemist but by, by trade and she was 21 i think 22 when she started working here as a i had her do bartending first uh, in order to get in the brewery just to show me she wanted she wanted it and she did and man she was She was great behind the bar. She came in and started doing lab stuff for us, and she was amazing there. And then she ended up making it to an assistant brewer. And then when our last brewer moved to New Mexico, she she took over. And she's been doing it for the better part of almost two years now, uh, probably, um, where she's been kind of doing a lot of the brewing. She took over. uh, But she took over as head brewer, I guess, uh, a year and three months ago, I think. And really honestly kind of changed the direction we were going with with a lot of our beers um we were still sour focused but we weren't uh we we more made a name on uh on just doing weird adjuncts uh back then and so i think with her we've really kind of focused in on what i wanted as far as uh what i wanted in a beer and i wanted heavily fruited i wanted you know, so thick, you can see the film on your glass type. <laughs> and so she's slowly, you know, helped mold us to, to get to that place. And, you know, she still does really well balanced, uh, sours and, in, in a couple of the series that she does, but, um, she also absolutely kills it when it comes to, when it comes to, uh, you know, doing the, the, uh, heavily fruited, stuff and weird adjuncts. I mean, we spent all morning today throwing, trying to make an ice cream uh, banana float sour or banana (laughs) banana float a banana. um, Banana split. Um, Yeah, banana split sundae sour. And so we spent all morning in there with thousands of uh, ice cream cones, um, a crud ton of maraschino cherries, uh, more Hershey's chocolate than I've ever seen in one place at one time and uh and we're waiting on the banana to arrive, which was supposed to be here 30 minutes ago so i'm hoping it's here Um, (laughs) and uh and that's going straight in so they've been in there messing with that all day and uh uh but you know she she kills it so
1: let's take uh one more quick sponsor break and then we get back we can talk about um i guess like the technical details and things of the brewery and uh friends with benefits
0: Yeah, man.
1: So we'll be right back. There are many reasons why I've chosen District East for where I purchase beer. I love the flexibility of being able to make a custom six-pack or take home a Crowler from one of the eight beers on tap. The friendly and knowledgeable staff do an amazing job at keeping a diverse selection on hand. You can even purchase artwork from the monthly featured artist. District East is located on Northeast Street in Frederick in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. You can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. To all you craft breweries, wineries, and distilleries out there, listen up. Atlantic Custom Solutions is the real deal in providing you branded growlers, ceramics, glassware, and accessories like koozies, coasters, and keychains. They're high-definition digital printing organic ink, and low fire process ensures your brand is printed in ultra high definition, giving you a one up on the competition. We've used Atlantic custom solutions for uncapped branded glassware and couldn't be happier with it. Check them out. Visit www.brandmybeverage.com or give them a call at 434-286-4500 to learn more about how they can help you brand your business. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their Matchstick Bourbon and Bootjack Rye Whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to McClintockDistilling.com for more information. So let's start with, uh, what size brew house do you have?
0: So we have a 15 barrel brew house. Um, we have, uh, six 30 barrel, uh, fermenters. Um, we have two 30 barrel bright tanks and then we have six, eight barrel small batch tanks that we keep, uh, two of them are set aside for barrel room projects, uh, blending and fruiting and stuff like that. Um, and then the other four are set aside for in-house beers uh, hazies and anything like that we uh, you know the only hazy that we can and uh and put in cans and send out is our smashmallow series which is like a marshmallow milkshake uh, style um fruited hazy and uh the rest of them we only do on site just because you know they don't uh, they don't age out well. So if you get you know a distributor buys it and they don't understand what they're getting and it's not hitting the shelf for 30 days, it's just not not going to be as good of an impression on folks as you would get uh, straight from the brewery. So so we keep those for in house only. So we do smaller batches of those uh, just to kind of try and keep them on tap. But you know normally we're we either have one or we're out uh, just because they go so fast.
1: Oh, sorry. I got distracted by your website. Um, did you uh, did you start out at fifteen barrels, or did you upgrade to that?
0: No, we started out at it, yeah, um, which was way way more than we ever needed. Um, I'm glad we did it now because we were able to grow into it. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, we the first year we were open, I think we probably uh, were only at like half capacity. So now we're running full capacity. We added two extra 30 barrels we could honestly we could use quite a few more so um but uh you know we we just added two back in october and so you know we'll uh we just pretty much got to the where we're pacing ourselves with the new fermenters and so we probably won't add a another two until i don't know we may have that conversation again this fall and see if it's worth, you know, growing significantly more than two or three or whatever. Um, but yeah, we, uh, four of them are sour tanks. Um, we do, uh, we do do live sours in our tanks. Um, obviously, we just got the pasteurizer, so that changes things for us. Uh, so whatever you get uh, coming out of the tanks all right, and into cans will be, uh, will be pasteurized and uh, um, will be, you uh, um, You know, beer that's uh, no longer living uh, bacteria or or yeast in the can. But, um, you know, before we were doing uh, straight sour, we had we had different equipment, different hoses, different, you know, canning, different everything for our sour and clean side of the house. And so uh, with the pasteurizer now, we're kind of getting to the point to where we can combine everything post pasteurizer. Uh, And so that's what we're working on now is is one testing the pasteurizer to make sure it actually is killing everything and and uh and we don't have to worry about refermentation or we don't have to worry about bacteria mucking up uh, the lines uh down line but um so far it's been it's been great
1: do you have do you have a lab there where you're doing cell counts and every- everything for quality control and
0: that yeah type of we stuff? do yeah, we do. And with us uh, being live, having live sour and not doing kettle sours, we have a pretty extensive uh, lab compared okay. to breweries our size. I think, you know, we have the Invisible Sentinel, with, which is a PCR machine. Um, uh, Rachel does ATP tests constantly on all the equipment uh, and on all the beers that come out. And she's, you know, she's uh, doing anything and everything to uh, uh, to try and make sure that we're not, uh, that all the beers are not contaminated, but the PCR machine, uh, is, is pretty great. ATP is really helpful. Um, you know, she also, uh, uh plates everything and make sure that just as a backup, you know, it takes three days to really get a lot of those results back, but, uh, but we always do it just to make sure that, um, that, you know, we don't have anything that is, uh, gonna spoil or, or, uh, um, continue from- you know fermenting our beer out but
1: so are even your um like heavily adjuncted sours aren't kettle sours
0: no not at all that makes you unique or fairly unique yeah i mean honestly we were able because of that we're able to really get the ph down quite a bit um we uh most of our ph's and our sours range from you know usually around 3.1 3.2 um, you know, a lot of the breweries that we know and and uh, uh, you know, they're shooting for like three, four, three, five. Um, but we, I love the pucker, I love the like enamel ripping type uh, sour, and so that's what we do. And you know, we've got we had one beer we got down to two to 2.9 before, which was
1: my goodness,
0: awesome. yeah,
1: <laughs> did that. Yeah. Like- was that drinkable though? <laughs> like I feel I like
0: that, surprisingly it was. I never even would have. I thought that it would have been less acidic than some of the other ones that we have. But um, it was just the combination of of fruit and okay. you know, all the other adjuncts they had in there kind of evened it out. But you know, uh, majority of ours we shoot for like three one three two. And I think now that we have the pasteurizer, we're gonna start messing around with. Uh, you know, we can mess around when we wanna. Kind of when we want to pull the beer and and run adjuncts or or not and so um it's just easier to control uh that whole thing um you know usually if you do the kettle sour it, uh, you stop it whenever you want it to stop but you throw it in a tank and you know she's going until until you uh until you pull her out so or until you put her through the pasteurizer so um or until it stalls, which normally is what we were going with. And, uh, we normally stalled around three, one average probably.
1: So I think that's a great segue into, um, your sour festival.
0: Yeah. So we, um, we absolutely, uh, love sours. Honestly, that's, uh, it's where my heart is. It's where we all sat down as a team collectively a few years ago and said, you know, where are we going to put our effort and, uh, you know, how are we going to do this uh, uh, when we were picking kind of a direction we wanted to go and everybody agreed sours are where we needed to put, put our energy, which at the time nobody was doing. And for us, it was, uh, you know, people were doing it, but it was like few and far between, um, you know, when you come here are we have seven or eight sours on tap at all times. And, uh, um, and so all that said, uh, we really want to just, Uh, highlight and focus some of the best sour breweries that we know and uh, um, and not only folks that we we know personally but folks that we think are just absolutely uh, destroying it um, in the sour game and I know there's a lot of others out there that we miss but we're uh, you know we're doing the friends with benefits on uh, on May 22nd Uh, you know we invited probably close to 40 uh, breweries out to do that um, everybody's bringing sour beers, and that's it. Except for Shilling, uh, we're going to have Shilling's going to set up a logger tent um, for folks that may not understand what sour is when they get here. So, um, can I
1: set up a table selling Tums?
0: Yeah, man, come on, bring it. <laughs>
1: because I feel like there's going to be a bunch of old people like me that by yeah. the end of it are going to have some serious heartburn. <laughs> oh, dude,
0: look, I, honestly, well, yeah, I, I'm with you there. <laughs> um but yeah we've got 40 sour breweries that are coming out for it there are 39 sour breweries coming out for it and then shillings coming out and pouring some lager and uh um you know it uh it's
1: someone wants some doritos
0: (laughs) here take these Uh, sorry about that That's Um,
1: completely fine
0: Oh gosh! This I kid.
1: I always describe this podcast as being just shy of professional, which gives me <laughs> wiggle room to allow anything to
0: happen. Hey, well, this is this is real <laughs> life here. This is how it happens. Yeah. So. And- oh man, good lord! This, this <laughs> um, he uh, anyway. So we we're doing uh, 40, 40, uh breweries. Everybody's representing a charity uh, from their home market or one that they care about, you know, deeply and. Um, we're giving away, uh, combined, we're going to give away about $17,500 to, to the charities based off of different superlatives that people will vote on, um, that kind of go along with the friends with benefits theme. Um, you know, half of the event is happening online. We sold, we pre-sold boxes for that. Um, and we're shipping all those out next week to people. So they'll have them by the 22nd of May. Uh, and then, um, the other half is happening here on or here in person. So, uh, we have, if you got the VIP box that we're sending out, there's 22, 22 of the 40 breweries are going to be in that. And then if you come on site, um, we we had all the breweries send different beers than what was in the box. So that way, you know, people weren't,
1: Oh, that's it. cool.
0: Yeah. Re-drinking what they had in the box. So, you know, if, uh, if they got the box, then they're, they'll be able to try unique beers from everybody from the box and they'll come in and try different stuff here in the festival.
1: Um, and just like your um fml festival i wanted to do this uh but i live in maryland where we're not allowed to have fun mm -hmm. uh so i wasn't able to participate because we're not if if people were able to ship beer to us who knows what kind of bad things would happen
0: i know right (laughs) honestly you know what it is is and i'm surprised virginia does it because they're just as bad but um it's a it's a wholesaler thing man and the distributors control
1: they have a lot of power in this state
0: They, they do here too and you know i it's almost sickening how much power they have here and you know you sign with a distributor here it's for life you can't ever get out of it and uh unless they release you and agree to release you which most don't um and so you know when you go on and you look at online at all the You know different people that they've donated money to it's literally like right down the aisle man they're on both sides uh hitting both campaigns with money so that way they're you know they don't lose that that uh... um
1: we had a big uh it was two three years ago like a a big attempt to reform a lot of those laws Mm -hmm. and and i remember and it was kind of crazy for me. Cause during that time period, I, when I started this, I never thought it would have anything to do with politics, but yeah. that year I had the comptroller on a couple times. I had people running for governor come on to talk about what, how they would approach it. I had a Senator on it, like all this. Cause it like, it became such a political issue, yeah. but I just yeah. remember like to your donations thing, during the testimony for that, uh, all that legislation, there was a guy who was part of some nonprofit that had to do with like transparency in um, vote, uh, donations to to public officials, and he started listing like where the donations came from. Man, they flipped out on him. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and, yeah. Like, you can one... look at the line. I, I yeah. looked at all, one of our distributors locally that we just don't see eye to eye and uh you know they uh, if you look it up i've looked it up myself just to see you know where it's going and um they uh they're literally paying the same amount of money on both campaigns every single time and uh, it's it's almost sickening to know that that's how government works because that's not how it's supposed to work you know it should be looking out for for people and you know, we have a lot of really great distributors that we work with. So I was just
1: about to say, like, this is a good – I mean, we're going to come back. I still want to talk about Friends with Benefits a little bit. But this is a great time to point out that you are now available in Maryland. And selfishly, yeah. all I care about is you're available specifically in Frederick, Maryland, at District East. Um, okay. And you – I mean, in Maryland, we definitely have some really, really good distributors. And you yeah. signed with one of the great ones, uh, yeah. Other Side – beverage things yeah so matt has been a guest on the podcast before to talk about how like they kind of have a different approach i told him he was basically just running a fantasy football team in the beer world with his lineup of breweries that he was assembling
0: and winning every (laughs) year honestly that's what attracted us to him is you know it's it's all about so much of this game is association and you know finding people that are like-minded and then you know you stick with those people and uh you know so for some people it's uh they you know do their same core beers over and over again and then other folks do like we do and you know we just hit our 500th beer in four years and uh and so um it's uh for us it, our biggest thing for distributors has been you know people that understand exc- exclusivity and then people that uh uh that are associated with brands that really kind of live out uh, um, the same type of uh, just approach that we do at this whole thing. So, and then
1: know know what stores to give the beer to because everyone's gonna want it, but know yeah. which stores can actually, um, if you have a beer that needs to be handled specifically, know how to handle it and know how to sell it. So yeah. that that's. Um, so I'm excited that now, because I, as I told you earlier, I've never had an Oozle Finch beer. I've been a f- fan of you purely just off of your branding. I love the name. I love the artwork. And <laughs> everything to do with Oozlefinch Finch, I just haven't had the chance to try one of your beers well, yet. So we'll I'm excited for that now.
0: Heck yeah, man. We're Honestly, you're, I was telling you this before we got came on, but you're coming in at a good time, man. We, uh, we just hooked up the pasteurizer. So, you know, we don't have to fully attenuate our beers anymore, which means more flavor, more sugar and, uh, and really kind of, you know, uh, really getting the intended, uh, flavor that we were going for at the beginning, you know, nothing's more frustrating than making a beer that tastes freaking awesome. When you, when you do your additions and then, uh, you know, taking a sip a week later and, it just doesn't doesn't taste like it like it did uh like you intended it to the you know a week prior so uh, now we have that capability and i think uh not only that we were also talking about cans exploding which we've had issues with as well so uh now you'll you'll know that it's uh it's getting past you as it was intended to be drank and uh and it will not explode so those are the the two great pieces from that
1: so a question i've asked several other people And is a big concern I have. So when um, everything can open back up and you're able to have people into your tap room again, will you still be able to distribute beer? um, And I'm just going to say selfishly to District East and Frederick, Maryland. Or or are you going to end up having to pull stuff back out of distribution to feed your tap room?
0: Um, I think it, it's probably going to be, I would say a little less than what we're doing now to distro, but, um, you know, the good thing is for, with us is, uh, we're, we're very committed to our distributors that are good to us. And so, um, it's, uh, um, I, I think you'll be able to get it. It may not be as often, but we kind of like it that way is an occasional treat. Yeah, we like distributors that'll come and pick up once every two or three months instead of, you know, once every two weeks. And we're, we're our whole goal is to not saturate any market we're in. And um, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of distributors goals are the opposite. And so, uh, you know, we've carefully placed ourselves with distributors like, you know, uh, like other side and all these uh, um we have a bunch of them throughout the country we're in like 18 different states but they understand what uh what we're trying to do and they understand exclusivity they understand uh um the beer community and and where where we're going with our brand and so and that it's uh,
1: okay to only take a case or two to a single place and
0: yeah exactly um and you know for us it it uh, doing doing that type of business is a, one way to really grow slow and not overgrow uh, too fast, which I've seen a lot of breweries do. And then, uh, hey Russ, there's um, a Joe Griffith up here, um, and he was saying that at any time he'd like to say hi. Sorry, I'm in an interview. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, sorry. Uh,
1: like I said, just shy of professional.
0: I, forgot. I, on. I should have unplugged it because
1: unplug uh, uh, that's a concern I've had I and mean, not a huge concern, but like the I think a lot of people have had have gotten used to over the last year getting access to beers that you never had before because a lot of breweries, you're putting so many more so much more into cans that it started to become more readily available in stores but I just wonder like how much is that going to go away over the course of the next year or so as tap rooms open back up?
0: I think it depends on the brand, honestly. Um, and it depends on how they were running the show beforehand and, yeah. um, you know, and it depends how they're received by, by folks. I think you're going to see a lot of brands in stores that you, uh, and you're going to continue to see them that you didn't see before because they weren't really in that game. Uh, a lot of folks depended on taproom sales uh, for for you know kind of just keeping things alive even before the pandemic. Um, uh, but now I think getting going through the pandemic and seeing the amount of money that can be made uh, through distro as well is just another revenue stream that folks are gonna try and keep a hold of. Um, and I think you're you're more sought after exclusive brands. I think you're exactly right. You're probably not gonna have them as readily available. Um, which to me, I think is a good thing. Um, I know to consumers, it's not a good thing, but for us, uh, that's right where we want to be. You know, we want people to be excited. We want people to, uh, you know, I don't want folks to be able to go to the store and find their beer anytime they want to, or find our beer anytime they want to. So, uh, you know, if that's the case, then, uh, then I think folks aren't, uh, buying enough of it and uh, we need to, uh, kind of relook at the way we're doing things. But, um, it uh for me I I mean it's, it, I think uh, you're probably right but the one thing I will tell you it also depends on your distributor and how they treat the brands because more exclusive uh, more exclusive breweries understand and respect distributors that respect what they're doing and yeah. you know, we're far more likely to send pallets to those distributors than we are to uh, to folks that don't get it and um, and so I think it would really depend on where you live and depend on the brand honestly
1: and i know a lot of breweries during this time took this time as opportunities to do expansions and to and a lot of breweries purchased canning lines over yeah. the past year way, way sooner than they had planned to originally so i guess in some ways that it, it that convenience is going to continue because now the, there were fewer places that are relying on mobile canning to put products out
0: yeah exactly and I, I mean there's a bunch of things in you know for us specifically you can equate we were canning beforehand uh we weren't uh we have grown our distro during um during uh uh the whole pandemic but we've also looked into different revenue streams that we didn't have before you know we never had a we didn't worry about online stores I didn't have a license to sell direct to consumer in ten different states, which we have now. Uh, so you know, people from ten or actually eleven different states uh, can go online and purchase beer straight from our website, and we can send it to them up to a certain amount. And uh, so that wasn't something we were watching before. Um, Is so that you, a big
1: business? Do do a lot of people do well, that?
0: Um, honestly, not. It did it during COVID all the time. We were, mm-hmm. we were slammed. Um, but uh, I think now the, um, as the pand- pandemic is calming down, especially here in Virginia, uh, people are starting to go outdoors. I mean, our tap room has been absolutely, we still have the, the limitations in the tap room, but we have a massive yard space that sits on the water out here. And so, you know, our, our uh, front front lawn has been filled, um, you know, every thursday friday saturday sunday so it's uh it's they've been folks have been really good to us and really supportive uh since we've been able to kind of open that piece back up but um uh, i would say it, it it i don't know it really depends it depends on the situation you know um yeah, we I would just think
1: like the shipping becomes so expensive that it's it it, it adds a uh a, a friction to yeah. the purchase that oh
0: percent it... 100 percent. i mean you're talking 20 something dollars of shipping uh average probably if you're if you're buying 24 beers so um it it uh which if you're buying all 24 doesn't seem all that bad but if you're only buying 12 and you're adding another 20 dollars on there yeah. uh it doesn't, doesn't then it make, feels
1: pain a little more painful
0: yeah and especially you know beer with folks like us who are Using a crud ton of ingredients, and you have to, you know, in order to make money off the product, you have to have a little higher price point than most other people do. Um, it's, uh, you know, folks aren't, aren't willing to spend, uh, all the time unless they really know what they're getting. You know, we have, we have some folks that, uh, will order like crazy, and then we have uh, most folks are just coming out to the brewery, honestly.
1: Yeah. I would think like that, that caters to like a hardcore fan. You can't yeah. get to you yeah. directly but um someone just looking to try it, it adds a friction point that may necess- may not necessarily want to
0: yeah no 100 um
1: so yeah, the but, um the virtual festival is or were you done with that thought though sorry i cut oh, you I off was actually,
0: i was actually following into probably what you're about to ask okay me. so the virtual
1: so. festival you can't get tickets for anymore because you obviously had to be able to put together the sets, uh, but you can still purchase for the in-person part of the festival. Um, will those be available until they sell out or is there a cutoff for when those will no longer be available?
0: So, I mean, honestly, we'll, we'll be selling, selling them, uh, on site the day of, um, you know, we're going to have to cut it at a certain amount of people. Uh, uh, and, you know, I think I know what that number is. I'm not real comfortable putting it out yet, because I need to research it a little bit more. Um, but we, uh, they don't um, make
1: anything easy to figure out what, yeah, well, uh, how to stay within restrictions. And it seems yeah. to be getting worse instead of easier. Yeah.
0: Well, and for us, I, I think for me, it's less of what their restrictions are and more of like a personal. What uh, will make you
1: feel comfortable with.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I don't want anybody coming here and, you know, uh, getting sick or spreading anything like that. You know, we had of maybe just selling tickets only to people with shot records. And, uh, you know, obviously we didn't do that. I don't think it'd be really fair for folks that don't have access to it. Um, but, uh, and so, you know, it was one of those things of like, you know, how much responsibility do we want to take and um and just ethically you know like what is ethical in this situation and uh and what comfort what makes us comfortable uh ethically and and so we've got a number in mind that i think we'll, we're comfortable with like i said our everything's going to be outdoors we'll have a massive the biggest tent we could find we rented so uh we'll have Uh, you know, if something happens, we'll still have the massive tent or if rain happens, we'll have a massive tent for folks to, to kind of, uh, uh, get under and stay dry. But, um, you know, it's just figuring out what, uh, what the right, what the right thing to do is, um, and then going from there. But yeah, so we'll, I mean, we're planning on selling at the gate. Uh, but again, if, if it sells out, uh, beforehand and we hit that number, we're definitely going to close sales. So, um, yeah, and I don't know if uh, if you've seen the breweries that we've updated recently.
1: Um, I mean, I'm looking at I – I don't know which ones you added recently, but I am looking at the list, and it's an all-star cast. Oh, uh, yeah, man,
0: <laughs> We are so stoked. So um, let me see the most recent list. We've got Three Suns, 450 North, Almanac, Alvarado Street, American Solera, Aslin Beard Iris, uh, Benchtop who's local. Uh, we love what those guys are doing. They're coming out. Uh, Barrel Culture, Big Ugly is another one that's local. Um, really good folks. They're doing great stuff. They're coming out too. Uh, Beachwood, Black Project, Casa Agria, Cricket Stave, Deciduous, Grim, Heavy Reel, Hidden Springs, Hoof Hearted. Uh, real quick, and,
1: heavy real Jeff from heavy real was such a great guy uh, dude, who awesome. was nice enough to introduce me to you I drove up while well, he was doing a collaboration with Fourscore up in Pennsylvania and I stopped oh, in yeah. at Fourscore and I ended up chatting with him for like two hours and then I was like hey you want to come on a podcast <laughs>
0: I, I haven't officially met him yet but he is so cool and you know we we've been going back and forth um since you know day day one of this fest almost uh Um, and, uh, he's been texting me back and forth and they're coming, you know, they're coming out for it. And,
1: uh, great beer. uh, He makes some great beer there.
0: Yeah. He, uh, I I can't wait to meet the dude. I think he's awesome. Honestly, some of the, there's folks on the list that I haven't met before. Um, you know, we've obviously, uh, we've got, uh, let's see.
1: You stopped that. I, I interrupted you at Uh, who farted.
0: Who farted? (laughs) yeah so those guys are killer too um imprints come in ingenious, magnify mass landing mckellar oozle finch obviously we're here perennial pretentious. That would be
1: really poor planning if you
0: <laughs> way back um perennial pretentious uh, out of tennessee shilling the answer the drowned lands tripping animals uh urban south vitamin c weathered souls Weldworks, works wily roots and used to be but honestly, you know, there's a couple of these names on here, like I was saying, that we haven't met before. And so, you know, we're we're tight with um, quite a few of them, uh, but there's other ones that we haven't met. I've been really surprised with some of the folks, man. You know, I think um, the uh, – but literally, I think, I'm trying to figure out who all I've been talking to that's just funny. The Wiley Roots guys are are hilarious. Uh Weldworks, we kind of knew a little bit beforehand and we just did a collab with them uh, really good dudes um we're excited vitamin c has been has been really cool we haven't met them yet they're coming down uh for the i'm fest. excited
1: i've never had any of their beer but a friend of mine uh just came back from a new england trip and uh gave me a couple cans of vitamin c beer to try uh, out.
0: Dude, yeah i'm i'm excited to, to meet them i've had their beer before um I just had never met, never met the folks behind it. And so, uh, they're coming down. We're, we're stoked for that. Um, you know, Deciduous is coming down and, you know, I've had his stuff. It's amazing. They're going to come down and do a collab with us that, that week as well. Um, imprint is folks we haven't known yet. And he's been, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these people we've never met before that are just absolutely killer people. And you can tell that, uh, that there are type of people just via text getting ready for this thing. And so, uh, You know, um, I'm I'm really excited because we've got we've got friends like Ingenious, uh, Almanac, Schilling, those guys we know really well. And they're coming they're coming down. And then uh, we've got um, other folks that we've never, you know, like I said, we've we haven't met and uh, that are coming in for it. And I I just think it's going to be a really, really uh, good time, at least on our side uh, and everybody else's if you're if you're into Sour's
1: how uh, how did you go about assembling this list of
0: breweries yeah i mean it's basically like uh, well i better be careful (laughs) um no i mean there there are breweries that i reached out to that couldn't couldn't commit to it um but uh for the most part um there are breweries that i've had and that i really respect in the game and so Um, you know, there, there were a few that reached out to us, um, and you know, uh, a few that were on my list of contact last week and get these last minute details, uh, lined up. And a few of those folks had reached out and then we added a few more others, um, in the last week that were kind of on my list, but honestly, I, I respect them highly. Uh, I respect what they're doing. I've had their beer and, uh, I just believe that they are just you know, they're like-minded like we are. And I think you hear that a lot in the beer community is like, like, like like-minded folks, like-minded folks, like-minded. And, uh, and it's true though. They, uh, think, uh, who we are as a brewery and who we are as a business, uh, um, we really resonate with what these breweries are doing. And, uh, and so that's how I put the list together, but, um, you know, a lot of it, there are a lot of hype boys on the list and, and I think uh, for me, it's it's exciting because I I fanboy over certain breweries just as much. <laughs> as I do, so um, so it's it's cool to be you know part of uh, one of the smaller you know the smaller pieces of uh, of the puzzle and uh, get to get to hang out and try some of the beers from folks that you really have you know that I've respected for for years in this thing. So,
1: do you plan on making this a yearly festival?
0: One hundred percent. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Um, I don't know how, I'm not too sure about the digital side of things right now. Um, and how we're going to approach that later. I think, uh, the, uh, just the logistics, um, when we did FML, it was absolutely, I mean, the name is perfect for how I felt the entire time. Um, and then we thought, well, we have it nailed down. Let's do it again this year for this one. And, uh, it, it's hell, man. <laughs> the logistics <laughs> have been hell, and so um, uh, I don't know really where the digital piece is going to go. Uh,
1: I feel uh, like we may be one more year of needing to do stuff like that. I agree, and just from like a p- like mass population comfort level of.
0: 100. percent Yeah, I'm I'm with you, but I think the way we're going to do it more like the way we ran the the last two are. We really didn't have a limit on what we were selling. We just said, buy, buy, buy. Um, and, you know, we ordered as much beer as we needed. And uh, But I think moving forward for us, it's 100% going to be, we're going to have 200 boxes. And that's all we're doing. Yeah. And if you get it, you get it. If you don't, sorry. Um, and so rather than doing just 200 VIP boxes or whatever it was, I think we had 280 that we did. It'll probably just oh, be... Geez. 280 boxes uh and we're done and that's Um, you
1: got like you guys assembling and shipping everything right
0: yeah yep so i mean we have a shipping partner in new york for this one okay so you know they're doing states that we can't legally go into um and uh which i don't know how that works we've applied to every state that a brewery can physically uh ship to so uh but they're a different entity so there's different licensing for everybody, but we, we ship to 11 different States that breweries are allowed to ship to. And so we take care of those 11 States. And then there's another like 20 something States that they, that they take care of. And so they're shipping there, but you know, we basically took FML, which was 10 States, only us shipping the boxes. And then we, uh, we multiplied that times two and we're taking care of like, you know, two separate houses and, and, you know, the guys at halftime beverage are awesome and, you know, they've, they've been amazing, but just trying to coordinate with breweries, sending uh, a lot of folks didn't understand how it was happening. And so, you know, sending a festival palette, you know, splitting the beer in half and sending half to New York and half to Virginia is, uh, was, uh, it's still a complicated process. So
1: will the box be like the FML festival where it kind of forms a little Instagram photo
0: nah, man. box thing I'll, or Yeah, as much as I would have loved to have done that again, um that thing was expensive. And I, so, I bet,
1: like seeing pictures of it, that was the first thing I thought of.
0: <laughs> dude, it's it was awesome, but it's uh you know, I paid like twenty four dollars a pop for those things <laughs> and so you're talking, uh, you know, when we had, I think we had 1,200 boxes that sold. So it was, uh, it was, a, it was just a lot of money, and it was cool. We we knew it was the first time anybody was doing anything like that. Um, we wanted to really just set the bar high and make it so unforgettable that yeah. you know, moving forward, uh, in you know, following FML uh fast that it's something that people will remember from 2020 as being one of the few good things that happened and so that was kind of the goal uh was to give somebody give everybody that bought in you know just a a day or two of just awesome and then you know so they could suck up the other 363 or whatever it is
1: the um unfortunately like what is going to prove Will most likely prevent me from being able to go to the festival. Um, is a sour beer that is probably like right up your alley, too. Um, I have a beer release that's probably going to be that weekend.
0: Oh, no, that
1: uh, with a, a brewery in Baltimore named Full Tilt.
0: Um, yeah, that's awesome.
1: It, it, it's, it's going to be made what well, is made. No, wait. It's brewed. It hasn't had it added yet. It'll have um this is the second version of it. The first version was a uh pineapple mango tart uh, and it had cinnamon and vanilla. This one's made from pineapple and mango candy. Um, well,
0: that's awesome. Well, dude, so, tell them uh tell them to hit me up and we'll uh we'll bring them down for the fest and you can release it here.
1: I I, I will pitch that to them. <laughs>
0: Tell it, you got my number, man. Hit me up. We'll add them to the list. I just got to do it this week, otherwise, otherwise. I mean, I've heard of them. Um, I've never had their stuff, but I've heard they're doing great things. It's so. really
1: good. I, yeah. I am, I love those guys. Um, and I love what they're doing out there, which is why when they, like when they pitched me the idea of making a version of their Dan's Jams called Sans Jams with me on it, I was like, yeah, I. Like, why would I say no to that? <laughs>
0: dude. That's, that's killer. Yeah. Um, but I think it's
1: going to like, it, they haven't locked down the release date of it yet. It may be that weekend. And I'm like, can you please just make it some other time? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, tell, tell them, tell them if it'll bring you out here. Yeah. We can release for you. Um, uh, yeah, man. I mean, honestly, I'm still waiting on, on a few breweries that, uh, may still be coming in. So we might add a few more to the list. Uh, we'll probably stop at 40. I think we've got 36 right now or something like that. So, Um, you know, we've got, uh, we've got a few more spaces, um, and some other folks that I may reach out to, uh, tomorrow, I today, say Tuesday. Yeah. Tomorrow. If we haven't heard anything, uh, from, from some of the ones that are pending, but, uh, although, I
1: mean, I don't know who you're waiting to hear from, but the list that's already there is, um, attractive enough that I don't know that, uh, anyone needs more, to yeah. want to go
0: <laughs> that, was the goal. that was the goal dude you know I, and honestly i you know we've been talking about it here i'd drive my goal is to put together a festival that i would drive six hours for and uh and really just um you know knock it out of the park and so uh, if we don't spend a lot of money on bands and stuff here i'm kind of a cheapskate when it comes to when it comes to everything except for ingredients and stuff. see like
1: i personally don't care about that at all and yeah. I, I, I love music too though Um, but I don't care even a little bit about music at beer festivals. And I've always wondered, am I in the minority of that? Or is that a draw to beer festivals?
0: It's not for me, but I, you know, my marketing folks, um, they, uh, they were convinced like we need to spend money on a good band and, and they hit a deal with a, with a, a really good band out of Richmond that is kind of up and coming in the scene. And, uh, they're called illiterate light, which I hadn't heard of them, but I listen to their music and honestly, like I kind of dig it. And, uh,
1: my, it's, my 11 year olds in a band, um, and if you, you yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, want, it's, it's a
1: band of, uh, it's like, uh, four, uh, four 11 to 14 year old girls, <laughs> if, you, if you need a cover
0: awesome. band, <laughs> do it, let's do it. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, so we, you know, we're, we spent money on, on some stuff on this one just to Make it, you know, if we're going to bring in the best breweries in the country, um, or a good portion of the best sour breweries in the country, then we need to, we need to be ready to, um, just do everything right. And, uh, and so that's what we're doing now in the middle of planning everything. But we've got, we've got some really fun, sick stuff planned that, uh, we're going to, the hardest part I think now is like we killed FML online. Um, and so we've never really done our, a fest here uh, by ourselves. And so it's always been attending other fests or, or stuff like that. But, you know, trying to figure out how to tie the physical fest to the digital fest at the same time is going to be. Uh, and make gonna,
1: it worthwhile for both yeah, people. Yeah,
0: yeah. So we've, we've got stuff planned on the digital side and some of it's going to be pre recorded. Um, you know, we did a, uh, we did a, a collab piece with one of the, uh, judges from Forged and Fire, and we went out and made knives with him for a week. I saw the
1: post. that I didn't real. I don't know how I missed that. That yeah. was with a judge from For. I saw that post and yeah. I loved it because I'm obsessed with Forged and Fire. I w- only like learned about its existence a f- month or so ago. So now I'm just binging the and thankfully there's oh. like 180 episodes. Yeah. So-
0: <laughs> oh, dude, we've been through them all. My son. Trayton over here uh is obsessed I, wa- so, I
1: watched them with my five-year-old too
0: <laughs> well we, we literally talked me well half talked me into it half i talked myself into it my wife would say that it's more for me but <laughs> we, uh, we the reason we met the judge uh, jason who did the thing with us was uh i was i was setting up a forge in our garage so we're going to start making knives in the garage out here and so uh we i just needed an anvil and i put a post on facebook and one of my buddies from college was like i just did a video for this guy and uh introduced this man and we just hit it off with him we took the whole team out there and everybody made knives together and we shot an episode kind of like it was a uh you know like we were uh that's awesome together and uh so it's it's been it was a really fun time and so that'll be part of the online fest um you know we're doing We've got two of the folks that work here that are single and so we're gonna we're gonna kind of auction them off on like a dating show type uh, reality <laughs> show thing and so we'll start that pre-taped and then we'll do the live at the end and then we've got a another live slash digital event that uh, we're gonna do on site the day of and we're gonna do some type of tattoo roulette with with a bunch of the breweries and. Um, we're still working out the details on what exactly is going to get tattooed, but a noozle I mean, Finch. Yeah, well, <laughs> honestly, I think that would be awesome, but um, it we want it to be something that is a surprise to everybody. Oh, okay. That. And so I'm gonna be in it. I have one tattoo, and so I'm a little scared as to like if I end up being the last in and I have to get tattooed. It's gonna be I'm probably gonna cry, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no man it's you know we're we're out to just have a ton of fun and and uh any way that we can tie those two pieces together and you know we'll be doing some sour educational uh spots um with some of the breweries that are coming in and you know picking brains and um just enjoying good good beer together so um
1: do you have the book american sour beers I do, of course. Okay, yeah, I assume. <laughs> I, I just glance over. I have it sitting out because I took a photo recently with it. Uh, right. Mike has been a guest on, oh, on the awesome. podcast that's, that's previously. Um, cool. yeah,
0: of course, I do. <laughs> I mean, I assume.
1: Like, I I don't know why I even asked. Yeah, like, good. I I don't. I think pretty much every um, I, any brewery I've gone to, like if they have a collection of books where you can see them, they have that book sitting there. 100%. <laughs>
0: One hundred percent. I think we have a couple of them actually because we have. Let's see. Hang on.
1: There it is.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but is yours autographed with a note in it?
0: You know, I can't say the notes. It is. It's it's well used, but it's not. It's not autographed.
1: My mine has barely had the spine broken on it.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> well, I have. I have to admit that it's probably more well used by my brew, brew team than it was by me. So, um, but uh, yeah, man. Um,
1: yeah, they did. It? They did a collaboration with Bissell Brothers that um, had excerpts from both of their books uh, on the can art. Um, so I had to get the books out to photograph that beer. Cause it,
0: Oh awesome. So Hell yeah, what, um, uh,
1: there's the, so there, are still my, my photo studios in okay. my recording studio. So I had to, <laughs> they're that's still killer. sitting right next to me.
0: <laughs> that's killer. Um,
1: yeah. I haven't, I have not read either of them yet.
0: Well, I haven't read the new IPA. I'll tell you that.
1: I just, I, I have, I have a lot of aspirations for reading books i have a whole bunch of books to read i just don't get around to doing it
0: i i have the same aspiration like honestly this is uh my computer bag and this book which i haven't even started has been in there
1: <laughs> what is it's that
0: the hype handbook
1: Uh ah, what's that about i feel like it
0: it's a it's a marketing book that uh i love
1: like i that's one of if i could go back in time that's. I think that's the path I would have gone into instead of IT, which is like my job. I I have two jobs at the newspaper I work at, uh, this, and then also I work in the IT department. But yeah. I love I love marketing and like content creation and.
0: That's awesome. I mean, honestly, I, uh, you know, it. This book is more kind of like psychologically what goes on from what I've read and heard excuse me uh, and so that's kind of where my head's more at is like what psychologically makes people tick over. have you ever
1: read predictably irrational
0: no I haven't
1: scrap that book read predictably Crap. irrational first <laughs> it's a, it. it's an amazing book about like advertising and marketing where it's all about how human beings think very irrationally but in a very predictable way okay so like one of the, one of the things I always remember in it, is that they say, like, in a restaurant, your menu should be – the the most profitable item on your menu should be the second most expensive uh, entree. Because people look at it, they may not want to buy the most expensive thing, but they will treat themselves to the second most expensive thing.
0: I honestly can't tell you how many times I've done that. Like- See?
1: You are <laughs> –
0: yeah, I'm that guy that goes to Outback and is like, oh, I can't afford the twenty-eight dollars. Yeah, the, and the twenty-four. And
1: the twenty-four-dollar one is probably more profitable. <laughs> uh, and gosh. then another example is that if you're if you're selling something, you should sell th- like present three options: the one you want the person to buy, an inferior version of what you want the person to buy, and something that can't be compared. So. In the in the process of comparing, that one gets thrown out automatically, and then when you're comparing the other two, you buy the one that is easily compared as being better. So yeah, that that awesome. book is all about that kind of stuff.
0: Okay, cool, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I will. That'll go on my list too.
1: I listened uh, to that one. It's it's a great audio book. I didn't read it. I, I listened to it as an audio book, and the reader is really good. So, if if that's easier, I highly yeah. recommend it as.
0: I've never done audio books, but, um, a lot of folks that I know have started doing them recently. And, uh, I honestly, I think I should,
1: <laughs> I mean, that's I, like, I, I don't listen to them as often anymore. Cause there's podcasts I listen to mainly and people should listen to this instead of audio books. Um, <laughs> but I would always like when cutting grass or doing housework or like those types of things. That's I would listen to audiobooks while doing that. People should not do that and they should listen to this podcast
0: 100%. <laughs> 100%. Oh man. Uh, um,
1: so I have one more question about uh, friends with benefits. Yes. If someone buys a ticket to the in-person festival, do they get access to any of the digital content or is that only for people who bought the digital tickets?
0: Yeah. So, uh, honestly we didn't, we just decided recently we're actually going to open the digital content up completely. Okay. Um, so we, for FML, we locked it down, um, which I think was probably not the right move to make. Uh, I mean, we didn't have any reason to, to lock it down. We didn't have any reason to, uh, you know, um, but it was a decision that was made back then with the group that I was working with on it, and and I, and uh, but looking back, we we probably should have just left it open. Um, you know, it was uh, there was a lot of good stuff that came on there. We ended up posting everything on our YouTube channel after that, um, and it'll probably be the same for this. So even if you come to the in person fest, and you miss out on some of the other things. Uh, everything will be on YouTube oh, cool. uh, afterwards. But if you are sitting at home, you know, and you don't have a box, you can 100% log in and watch everything that we do, all the crazy antics, uh, you know, join in for the fun here uh, that we're having outside, as well as uh, some of the more serious things that are happening inside. So
1: Um, the glassware looks awesome. Dude,
0: love it. Um, uh, The... The type of glasses we were really specific about. Oh, here they are. So I have the two. Uh, this is the VIP glass, I guess. You could
1: nice. I mean, if they, take a look at my Instagram feed, and you will see how obsessed I am with glassware.
0: A lot of good ones, and I have. I'll get your address, you, or you need to text me your address, and I'll send you a. I'll send you a few to include the one that you missed out on.
1: That's a cool one.
0: Yeah, so this is the taser glass, which we went back and forth on whether or not we were actually gonna use because we're not sure, you know, like how everything's gonna go over with COVID, and you know, people using the same glass going over the tap. So we're gonna give everybody a glass as they come in, um, and uh, uh, but we're not gonna utilize them. We'll have little little tasters sitting sitting there, and people will use disposable tasters every time they come up, but they still get the cool glass to take home with them, which is honestly um, the probably the biggest uh, um, fest glass I've ever seen, but it's a great whiskey glass to use. So that's what I uh, have used it for. It does
1: look like it would be a perfect uh, little
0: snifter type. It's great, great, man.
1: So where do Uh, people go to get tickets?
0: They can go on the website, which is uh, fwbsourfest.com. Um, and it will, uh, link them over to, uh, to the ticket site that we're using for, uh, for buying the tickets. Um, we, everything's doing digital. Uh, we were not selling physical tickets. Uh, so, you know, everything will be scanned as people come in and, and, uh, we're going to go that route with it. You know, it's
1: um, an, I, I've always thought it's that crazy OCD thing I have, um, I work in, and maybe it's because I work in technology. Like I have a degree in electronic engineering. I work in it and I never, it's only recently I would actually trust them, but anything I ever went to, you know, you'd always buy online or through the app and then always print it out because like, um, oh, I mean, it's not going to work. If I-, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I do the same thing with plane tickets and everything. Yeah, <laughs> I literally just in the last year, well, probably the last year before COVID started using my phone for the, for flights. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I'm the, I dude, I'm the same way. And even like, you know, uh, my wife, she's real good about opening her phone and taking notes in her phone on her notepad in her phone. And I can't, I literally keep a notebook with me at all times and I've got stickies everywhere all over my desk. And, uh, but yeah, (laughs) I I don't know what it is, but I, I've got to write it out. Um, that's just how I I am old school, I guess. I don't know. That's funny that that's considered old school. Yeah.
1: That's old guys. <laughs> um, so there's two tickets. There's general admission. Uh, general admission gets you in. At Just, uh, at what time? Because uh, that is the difference. It it's a uh, you yeah. get in earlier with VIP. Now, look yeah. in the website, you can get the details. Yeah, but remember. that includes yeah. the awesome uh, tasting glass. Also can be used for whiskey. Uh, and two ounce pours, unlimited two ounce pours of all the amazing breweries. Uh, That's $60 plus fees um, and tax and then the VIP experience, which I think is awesome because to me, it's always like beer festivals were always the place where I wanted to go and meet people that were involved with the beer. So the VIP experience even goes further than that where you have brunch with the breweries with a question. So that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, so we're we're planning a big brunch here with a, a local um, restaurant downtown uh, here in Phoebus. and they—I uh, mean, some of the best food. It's it's the place where I take people when they're when they come in and say, "What's the best restaurant locally?" I take them there, and uh, they're just really really good folks. Um, they were on Shark Tank and kind of blew up after that, and opened a restaurant and all kinds of stuff. And so
1: I love that's another show I love. Basically, like, Mark Cuban is one of the, it's crazy, like, yesterday I recorded an episode with Zane Lamprey, who worked for Mark Cuban on Mark Cuban's uh, TV channel, HDNet, and that was one of the things I talked to him about, because Mark Cuban is one of the three celebrities that I care about at all. Like, if given the opportunity, I would want to meet him. And I like I almost want like I want to invent something almost just to go on Shark Tank and I would be completely fine if he just told me how <laughs> stupid I was.
0: I'm a big Cubs fan, so I would just any anybody Cubs, but Jake harriet <laughs> is the one that I want to meet right now. So if you know Jake i send him down.
1: <laughs> I do not, sorry.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Um yeah, so the uh, the VIP experience man is going to be killer. We've got the restaurant that's coming in to cater it, and honestly, we didn't we didn't overcharge for the VIP experience. It was one of those things that uh, we. Were I've literally seen
1: v- Vi- VIP experiences just as expensive that did not offer as much.
0: Yeah, honestly, we're our goal was to just pay for the food, so we're not coming out of pocket, and yeah. uh, and then offer people a good time, and you know. Um, so we're gonna, you know, they'll have indoor restroom access, which is a big deal. Sometimes um, right there is
1: uh, worth it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, you'll get you'll get the the early. Uh, I don't um,
1: know why you don't have that listed on one of the benefits.
0: Uh, I, I should put it on there. I should. You
1: one hundred percent should put that on the list.
0: <laughs> everybody else has to use porta potties, so uh, the porta potties will be outside for everyone. You know, the VIPs will get. Honestly, the brewery's getting shut down for VIP use only. And so um, we'll have uh, people there letting, letting the VIP folks in and out to go tasting outside. And then also we'll have, you know, uh, special VIP only beers inside um, to include a bunch of ours that uh, folks will have access to that are limited. And um, they'll be doing the dinner inside. A majority of the educational pieces for the online piece will be inside. So VIP folks will be we'll be able to have access to to those people and ask questions oh that's uh, cool yeah and meet the brewers and and so you know uh it'll be it'll be a great time and like i said we we could have priced it up uh, a bit more but for us it was let's just pay for our costs and give folks a good time and and uh and uh work with our original margins from the outside fest and so that's kind of what we did
1: and on that same website I think you have a list of all that stuff, right? Of uh, the, like yeah, what not... what the sessions will be? Um I, or is it, honestly yeah, I not...
0: no, I don't think it's up there yet cuz okay. we're finalizing there's still things that we're finalizing and I think we're going to finalize everything tomorrow cool. and uh it, the schedule should be going up in the next week or two probably. But um but yeah, it's uh you know, we've got the guys, I don't know if you've ever had Pretentious Beer out of Knoxville. Um, I'm from East Tennessee, and so uh, I Pretentious is a glass company that's out there. They also opened up a brewery, so they have Pretentious Craft Co., which is Pretentious Glass and Pretentious uh, Beer Co. I'm, f-
1: I'm familiar with Pretentious Glass. I didn't realize that th- they were one in the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they're literally next door to each other, and so you, you know you go into Knoxville, and they're in one of the coolest spots in Knoxville. It's fine.
1: A... I just recorded an episode where he was brought up too. Oh, really? I, yeah. I just this was it was last it week. Was it good? Um. Well, I had um. Huffy, on <laughs> oh, okay. for, yeah, yeah, for yeah, yeah. Ryan Huff, Hoffman from Huffy Glass. Yeah, Huffy yeah. Glass. And,
0: yeah.
1: and he mentioned um he mentioned him.
0: Yeah. Yo, do. you in a good way hopefully <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah absolutely because matt's awesome he uh, he's such a cool dude but we you know
0: yeah, it was, he
1: was TV an example Matt. of one of the people who uh don't do lathe work and he yeah. he does he does all of his um because another show i make it I, I don't watch that much tv but i feel like i'm constantly talking about something i watch i yeah. love the show blown away <laughs>
0: We wa- I, watched the, uh, I watched the last episode yeah. of season two last night I yeah.
1: <laughs> so um life. he uh we were talking about the differences in glass blowing and how like like people like huffy and Fritz and they use use lathes in it's um called hot work or cold yeah. work i can't remember now i forgot already uh but he was like a three beer podcast i think um and so it, it was the, it, he uh pretentious is different than the rest of them he works with a furnace and i uh, blows everything he doesn't use a lathe and yeah. it's a he uses guy, a different process
0: i mean so you know we went out to have fun and make knives with jason Knight, and that was a cool thing but seeing his passion and his his like he was so just into the craft and teaching people how to keep it alive and and that was his thing and i mean it made such an impression on all of us we're like holy crap this guy approaches knife making like we approach beer and then we went to pretentious and not only do their beers taste uh and remind us of our own um which i'd never had their beer before uh you know i've been out of east tennessee for 15 years plus but uh you know, it was cool to go back home and meet someone there. And I originally reached out to him to be a part of friends with benefits because of the glass side of things. And Mm then like, you know, come in and do a, do a collab with the brewery at the same time. This dude, I mean, one of the coolest groups of folks that we've ever met, they're absolutely chill and uh, the beer is phenomenal and they're making them out of like repurpose. The fermenters are, now it's professionally done, but they're repurposed fifty-five gallon barrels that are oh. repurposed in the fermenters. Oh
1: wow! Like,
0: the, if somebody makes them locally in Knoxville, and I'm like, I, it was absolutely blew my mind the way that everything was set up and how focused they are on on just craftsmanship. And so, you know, watching him do all that, and he started talking to me about Frit, which I had I knew about the glasses, but I didn't know about Frit and like uh, you know the hype behind that. And I started following Frit a couple of weeks ago. After I talked to Matt and, you know, just uh, it really gave me a different mindset on um, the amount of effort and time and passion that go into all these different types of crafts. And so uh, and it's exactly how we feel about our beer. And, you know, uh, we uh, it, it's changed the way I do business with people who, you know, I'm, I'm not looking to go out and do business with a bunch of knockoff uh, uh, glass you know, companies that are trying to knock off pretentious or knock off Frit or knock off, you know, Huffy or whatever. It's uh um it's uh which is something I'd never ever even thought about before. I didn't think I'd care, but I'll show you something. Nobody's seen this yet actually. But we just got back from there last week. Um Matt made this for us.
1: Oh, that is amazing. Anyone no, who, they're, unfortunately they're, most people listen to this. Um yeah. Dude. But you gotta send me a picture of that that I can post, because okay. it's it's the Oozle Finch, uh, done in glass, and it's amazing and functional.
0: Yeah, it is. See, <laughs> so you, you pour out of his uh, out of his little uh, little butt tail feather there, <laughs> dude. He, I mean, he made that in like fifteen minutes, and we're standing there. He didn't even tell us he was making it. He just like, I'm gonna do something for you guys, and I mean, we were just watching him. We couldn't take our eyes off of him. It was so just. I, I can't explain it, man. I mean it was amazing. And uh um and then he's working and he made one wing and I'm like, he's not gonna try and make an finch and sure as crap, man, he did. And that is uh, so awesome. Sent it home with us to to have here. So that'll be a that'll be a fun um that'll be a fun little thing that we'll all get to play with over the over the, the festival. So I'm say I'm saying we haven't used it yet. I think I'm gonna save it for the fest and they're coming in for the fest and uh and so we're going to, um, you know, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have, uh, fun with that. So, but yeah, man, I honestly, uh, their, uh, their whole take on and just craftsmanship and their own craft and it, the amount of energy and passion that went into it, it just, it literally, uh, psyched us up, man. Uh, cause we feel like, uh, they, all those folks, he approaches beer, like we approach beer too, which is awesome. But, um, but you just don't think of, uh. Uh, people that are doing you know kind of the og type uh way of doing things um, and putting as much time and effort and passion and money into it as uh, as we do our craft and so it's uh it's cool to see and it's cool to experience um something like that but it I, it blew my mind man i'm like i'm gonna i want to make knives now we you know we're building the forge in the garage so i'm like i'm gonna make knives then i'm gonna get a an oven and i'm gonna i'm gonna blow glass you know <laughs> i mean i, I literally
1: helped. while i was making my wife watching an yet another episode of forged and fire told her i was like honey i'm either going to start blowing glass or making knives poorly one of those things are going to happen i have to do this Dude. now
0: <laughs> uh, you want to see my knife we made
1: yeah so there is there is a guy who was a runner-up on forged and fire local to here that um at one time, he gave classes where you would go and like do that type of thing and make a knife. But he also started a business making those grinders, uh, um, and that business took off so much he had to like put on hold his bladesmithing. Or I would definitely be going there to make a knife. But yes, I want to see your knife.
0: It was so hard to find the equipment because everybody wants to do it now, and so it took us forever to like get all the pieces. But this thing, check this out.
1: That is awesome. So you made that on your own or at that when you went to the Jason's place?
0: Yeah, no, we made it uh, when we, this is the first knife I've ever made and we made it with Jason. That's so so cool. I made this one and my staff uh, that was with me, there were four others with me from my staff and they all, they all made one as well. I mean, they all look really similar, a little bit different shaped, but uh, um, I mean, to sit down with him and do this in two days like that was so cool um i love like,
1: that you've taken your staff to go to do to the things that
0: i love <laughs> me for it they I w- hate me for it like, they didn't want to do it no they were like this is your excuse to go out there and learn how to make a knife from one of the best and i'm like i will thing-
1: I want to move down there and work for you now, and I will just support any of that. <laughs> yeah, the, the
0: funniest thing is they all got there, and after day one, everybody was like, "This is one of the coolest things." And so, you know, uh, we some of the staff since then have said we should the management team we should do this every every quarter go do something else. <laughs> And I'm like, yes, we should. That that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I
1: have a list of things I really want to do.
0: <laughs> I, want to to be, I want to learn how to blow glass. Now let's go do that. Next time. Yeah. So, but yeah, right. man, we uh, it's uh, we're having fun, and uh, you know, just trying to anything we can do to just not get burnt out and uh, and continue slaying and slinging good beers. I guess so. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's been a fun time.
1: What is the best way for people to? Um keep up on oozle finch oozle finch happenings
0: honestly uh instagram is kind of our thing um we we put a a a lot of focus into instagram Um, i hate to say that we don't on facebook we you know we have a huge local following on facebook so anything going on locally uh, if you're local to the area uh, is kind of more facebook focused um Instagram, uh, is more of a national, uh, focus on, on what's going on, uh, within Oozle. But, you know, we, we just started a YouTube channel back during FML. So we've, we've got that and we're planning a lot more with that as we go. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, as far as keeping up is probably, uh, probably Instagram would be would be that's what even when I'm trying to keep up with what's going on here I'll I'll go look at Instagram
1: (laughs) I know that I've abandoned well not completely but I focus most of my time social media wise on Instagram like that's just where beer is (laughs) yeah
0: you know the funny thing is that when you put paid ads online, we get zero results from from Instagram, but we get a ton of results from Facebook still, which is weird. Uh-huh. I mean, we don't get zero results, but the the results we get on Facebook far outnumber anything we we get on Instagram. I don't know uh, why that is. I don't know why it is either. Maybe because it, it's
1: more saturated on Instagram or
0: i have i
1: have no idea and, and they're probably still separate algorithms and yeah. there's a lot of things about instagram i don't understand
0: yeah me either
1: <laughs> so basically everyone should just go to instagram um and follow oozle finch beers because even from there you you have your link tree that tells everyone to go for everything you need to know yeah
0: 100 um, percent. and uh you know on honestly instagram is normally the first thing and if you're
1: not on instagram just get on instagram and f- search for uncapped podcast and follow me also <laughs> um thank you so much for your time um i know you you are very busy so i appreciate um, of course. and i also appreciate you signing with other side and shipping your beer up to maryland now
0: we appreciate them too. man. I mean, We're, we're absolutely stoked to be working with them and uh, just a great group of folks. So um, yeah, man, keep, keep a lookout. And uh, I'm serious about that beer release. If you guys want to do it, let's make it happen.
1: All right. I, I will uh, pitch that to them.
0: You, you got myself and my cell, man. text me and let me know and we'll, uh, we'll bring, we'll bring them in for it.
1: Uh, and uh, thank you everyone for watching and listening. Cheers.